I'm your host, Jacob Camilleri. Today, we are chatting with Elections Board Chairman Kevin Carey to talk about all things convocation elections. Thanks for joining me on the podcast, Kevin. Oh, thanks, Jacob, for having me. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely, brother. You know, it's great to uh, not only have you on on the podcast today, but, you know, I just want to say thank you for uh, your continued dedication to Sigma Pi. Uh, You know, it's been great to not only get to know you as a volunteer, but, you know, I was even able to get to know you as an undergraduate and kind of see your leadership back then and kind of where it's continued now uh, to today. So, you know, thank you for everything that you continue to do for, uh, for Sigma Pi. Of course, this is my 10th year as a volunteer. I was just looking back when I first became a province archon. Um, and so I, I have loved every minute of it in, in so many ways and getting to know our undergraduates and of course our staff and our volunteers across the years. That's amazing to hear. Well, Kevin, you know, as you know, our historic 55th and 56th convocation is just days away. Um, before we dive into election questions, you know, tell us a little bit about your experience at Convocation. Uh, which ones have you attended and do you have a favorite memory? Yeah, this will be my, my, my third Convocation and I was never able to attend um, as an undergraduate student. So all of mine have been as a volunteer and alumnus of the organization. Um, so I, my first one was in Las Vegas, which was um, quite the experience. Um, being It was my first time in Las Vegas um, and I was like, oh gosh, we're having Convocation in Vegas. I said, this will be um, both um, business focused, but will be fun. And it certainly was. And then getting to see Niagara Falls um, was, you know, certainly a highlight for me. One of those those wonders that you, you want to travel to, but you never make the time to travel up there. So it was really nice to be able to be um, in Niagara um, in, in the scenery of that space. You know, I think for me, convocation... Um, has been the place where I felt like a lot of my lifelong relationships with brothers started. And I would say it was in 2016. I, I remember being nervous because I didn't really know a lot of people. Um, and I was, I was concerned. I kind of would just, you know, go to things and go to my room, go to things, go to my room. And then I quickly realized that I had met people across my, my journey of four years of volunteering previous to that. And that's really where I first got involved with the elections committee, um, you know, back in the day of counting paper ballots. Um, and, and, and Chris Landers was like, hey, I need an extra set of hands. Do you want to help me count ballots? And I was like, this is a fascinating process. Um, I remember sitting in the very long, drawn out election of 2016, what felt like days, what really was just hours, um, and sitting in an empty ballroom and having people bring ballots in and we were counting and tallying and double checking. And um, I think that's just really where I felt like I got connected to some of those brothers to, to, to that I now would say are, are people that I look to as, as, as role models and as brothers who care deeply about the organization. And it makes me excited to be able to come to San Antonio and spend time with them because it's hard to spend time with people who live across the United States. Um, and so it's just one of those reunions for me that I look forward to um, each and every year. And I also just really appreciate the professionalism that convocation brings and the, I think the decorum and the formality of it feels um, 
it just makes me, it reminds me of what it felt like in undergrad when we had those formalized moments um, as a chapter. But then when you just come together as such a large group and get to see people taking our membership seriously and that it's critically important to each and every one of us, that just, that fills my cup. Um, and I'm excited that that happens right before I have to get back to the busy season of my job. So it, it'll release some serotonin for me um, before I come back and do some work here at Illinois Wesleyan. Yeah, excellent, excellent answer, uh, Kevin, and uh, definitely a good way to sum it up. Uh, diving into the events of convocation, you know, you serve as the election board chairman. Uh, what does your role actually entail? Mm -hmm. So these are two-year terms, um, and the elections chair is appointed by, um, is a grand council committee and is appointed by the grand sage. And so I was fortunate to serve um, in the 55th um, biennium and in the 56th biennium. So this is year four. Um, and I would say that the role um, has evolved and changed in many ways. And I think it's because our organization is continually evolving and changing. And so for us, our primary our primary responsibility is is building out a process and plan and solicitation for our grand council candidates and our directors at large and grand sage um, elections process. And so we spend time as a committee, both made up of of undergraduate brothers and alumni brothers across the United States, thinking about how we do just that and making sure that we. You know, we started our conversation in 2020 about like, what are the values we want to bring to this process? And it's been all about honesty, integrity, and equity, and really evolving with the times. And so I would say this year, we focused a lot more on ensuring that the application process is easier for grand council members, ensuring that we communicate to our membership at large when the candidates are select, when their candidates apply and are selected, um, ensuring that there's equity in their materials and in questions that they're asked. And then really this year, it's been focused on our election technology and running the single transferable vote for the first time with our directors at large. Um, and I'd say last, but certainly not least, it's knowing our bylaws and our elections policies and ensuring that we're doing things honestly and transparently and asking questions along the way if we don't understand how we're to interpret something to make sure that we're, we're communicating at the highest levels, but also doing it in a way that aligns with our governing documents. And so I'd say there's a lot of different pieces to that. And I, I hope that as this committee continues, um, that we will find people who will step up and lead and build upon and make it better than just even the last two years. You always want people to come in and do a better job than, than the group that I led did, because that just means that we're continually thinking about the progress our organization needs to make around electing people to our grand council um, who serve and lead the direction of our fraternity. Yeah, Kevin, honestly, I could not agree more. And, you know, it's really, uh, really important to have, you know, someone like yourself uh, kind of in this role. And, you know, like you said, making sure that we are just following our bylaws and following the correct process uh, when it comes to elections. Mm -hmm. So so thank yes. you again for that. Uh, what, what does the process for elections look like within Sigma Pi? Mm -hmm. You know, if any undergraduates are listening to this, I, I always tell them that this is a really good opportunity for you to step back and see how might you do your elections in your own chapter. Um, and I always think about the eyes and the ears that will be on us in San Antonio, that part of part of running an elections process is making sure that the undergraduates can see how that's done effectively and clearly. 
Um, and that brings some pressure, right? Because you, you want to make sure that you're instilling new ways of thinking and uh, that fairness and honesty in the process is important with the highest levels of communication. And so when we, when we gather for elections um, at the 55th and 56th convocation in just a few weeks, um, really days, um, we are we are going to bring people together. And um, of course, people are aware of our Grand Sage and Director at Large candidates. Um, our worthy Grand Sage will, will simply move into the past Grand Sage role per our bylaws. And so we will announce that at the beginning of the elections process. And then we move into our Grand Sage election. And so um, we have two candidates running um, and we, we vote our, our Grand Sage by a majority vote of our membership. And we'll be using Election Buddy to do that. And so people will use their phones or their laptops to be able to cast their vote for the person that they want to serve as our international president. Um, and it'll be an opportunity for them to, to review the, the, grand can, uh, the Grand Council candidate forum we had and recording before that, of course, accessing their candidate materials to make sure that people feel like they can choose the candidate they believe in and can trust to lead our organization in our Grand Sage role. When it comes to our director at large election, um, we have several candidates running and of course have five positions for our director at large. And if, if many of you recall, um, a couple years ago, we moved away from electing by our by our ritual position. So electing Grand Second, Grand Third, Grand Fourth, um, Herald and our Grand First Counselor um, and moving into a director at large and letting that Grand Council select who serves in those roles to best fit the skills that they may bring. So if someone comes in with a finance background, they might be better suited for the, um, the Grand Third role. Someone who might have more liability, insurance, and risk uh, risk assessment knowledge might be a better first counselor. And so, you know, as, as people are thinking about who do they want to serve in these roles, they're going to sit down once they're elected and figure out where they're going to best position themselves in the organizational structure per our ritual positions. So what people will do with our single transferable votes is that they will have the opportunity to select a top five um, and rank them one through five, one being the candidate you want most to be your your on that director at large team and five being that fifth person you want to serve in there and then there'll be people that they will choose not to vote for um, with single transferable vote or rank choice voting is what it's called um, it assigns point values to people um, who are who are ranked um, and so every time you vote you are assigning a point value to those people and our undergraduates weigh heavier in the voting than our alumni do per our our bylaws um, and so their votes are really critical in this and how we elect those, uh, how we elect or vote on anything. Um, but of course, in that director at large process. And so um, if someone um, is, is no longer viable in the, in those top five, and um, once all the votes are tabulated, the points for those people that people might've voted for in that top five that are not going to be elected to the director at large, their points get reassessed out um, to the other candidates. Um, which really is how ranked choice voting occurs. Um, I've been asked the question, can I only vote for one person? Should I vote for four? The messaging that we're going to share that is important is you should really think about who are those five people. We have to have five people. It's part of our bylaws and our constitution that five people serve in those roles. And so we want people to produce a full ballot. Um, of course, people can abstain from voting at all. Um, that is a that is a Roberts rule of order opportunity for anyone in any vote is abstaining from voting for anybody. But we really want to encourage people to think about, you know, 
what skills those five people that they would prefer serve at the director at large space would bring to the council and putting aside, you know, any personal or grievance or concern because we're voting on people and their skills and their talents. We are not voting because, you know, we love someone, we dislike someone, we, we want to put people in a role that brings integrity to our organization and continues to progress our organization. And so, you know, I know, I know the next question's coming, so I will hold any more ramblings of Kevin, but, um, you know, I, I'm optimistic that this elections process is going to go smoothly. I'm proud of the work the executive office staff has done with our committee and building the election buddy software to make this uh, easier and more seamless process so that we can continue on with other business at our, organ at our at our convocation and of course have some fun celebrating our 125th. Well, thank you, Kevin, for, for breaking down the election process. And, you know, it's always good to hear what that's going to look like uh, for, you know, those who may not have gone to convocation before or may, you know, have never voted at convocation before. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, you know, what advice would you give to a delegate or an alternate delegate attending convocation? I think there's two really important pieces of advice, and I'm going to wear my higher education and student affairs hat for these answers because I tell this to students who go to conventions and conferences all the time. Number one is build a new relationship. Meet a new brother, connect with that brother. We have so many people in the room who are in different leadership positions. Many are, are, are chapter sages or grant, are, are um, second counselors meet people who have similarities in, in the concerns that you're processing on your campus, share ideas, and, and just simply connect. If, if people walk out of there not having met someone new and figured out a way to stay connected, we have done a disservice as an organization. That's part of our brotherhood and bringing people together is, is enjoying each other's company and connecting with one another. And the second I would tell people is to keep, to keep an open mind. Um, come in and make your own decisions around things we're voting on, ask quality questions, um, critique with respect, and really think about how you are part of how our organization moves forward. Like every delegate has, has that power to think, gosh, I'm part of decision-making for my organization. And frankly, we do what we do, of course, for our lifelong membership, but really for our undergraduate brothers. And, and I hope that they know that. And I hope that those of us that support the undergraduates know that. And I hope that building relationships and keeping an open mind are two things that can happen um, and are pieces of advice I would share um, as we journey to San Antonio. Yeah, Kevin, I could not agree more. Definitely great advice to always, you know, keep connecting and, and making those uh, those connections in our fraternity. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, similar question here. What advice would you give to an alumni who may be attending convocation for the first time? Yeah. I, um, I will be the first to tell you that my undergraduate experience in Sigma Pi, while I am immensely thankful for it, and my closest of, of chapter brothers and now best friends, I'm so thankful for, but I certainly had some negative experiences in my own journey. Um, and, and my alumni experience has really been what has made Sigma Pi so meaningful to me. Um, and I, and I always have told people, and I've talked to alumni about this and other young alumni, I still think I'm young. At least I feel that way. At least, you know, when I look at my hair on my head, I might think a little differently as it grays. Um, shed, shed the skin of your undergraduate experience. It, it is a, is a part of us. It is who we are. I hold that very sacred to myself, 
but being an alumni requires something very different of us. Um, and it's twofold. It's, it is that open mind. It is bringing our, our best selves because our undergraduates look at us and watch us and model after us every step of the way. Even when you don't think they're watching or learning or thinking, they totally are. And if we want to continue to build lifelong membership for our organization in our volunteer pipeline, in our serving the organization at different levels, in, in, donate, in donating and raising dollars and contributing financially, um, and of course, contributing with our time, we have to really think about how we show up in our present with our undergraduates at Convocation. And so I think for a new uh, alumnus journeying um, to Convocation this year is, is really think about how you're going to show up and be your best self. Um, again, it's similar to the undergraduate piece. It's asking questions. It's, it's not being afraid to ask a question to understand something our organization is doing. Like I remember in 2016, I had no clue what we were voting on. I was confused by some of the language. I didn't know some of our volunteer positions. I, I asked a lot of questions and I'd be the first to tell you that I'm sure some of them sounded really like, duh, Kevin, but I feel like I'm a more informed Sigma Pi because of it. And so don't be afraid to do that. And if any young alumni are coming, please know that I'm always willing to be that person for you. I know Jacob, you always are willing to do that for people. Um, and I know several other um, alumni who are there would do the same. And so don't be afraid to ask those questions and build those relationships while, you, while you're there with us in San Antonio. Excellent, Kevin. Great answer. That'll wrap up today's discussion. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Owl Talk podcast. And thank you to Kevin for answering all of our convocation questions. For everyone listening, make sure you hit subscribe and please leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. And as always, I believe. Thank you.